Hi everyone, I'm Sean Carlson. Welcome back to Revive School. I'm excited to be here with you today. We're studying the book of Romans. This is lesson six, and we're studying actually Romans six today. So this is fun. Uh, there's some fun stuff in all of the book of Romans. I've really enjoyed studying this chapter. And one of the things that I want to point out as we begin to, to study the verses, verse by verse here, is that overall in the book of Romans, Paul uses a lot of rhetorical questions as he is dialoguing with the Romans. Now remember, Paul has not visited the Romans. So when you think of the book of Ephesians, uh, he has been to Ephesus, uh, he's been to Colossia, like he is... He's been to these places, but the Romans, he has not been. So his writing style is a little bit different. And so when you look at the, at the writing, he'll ask a lot of questions. And that's just a tactic, I think, in teaching. As you're writing, you want to ask questions so that you're engaging with the, the reading audience. And so you ask a question to say, think about this. Instead of just dialoguing and pouring all of this information in text format, he's actually engaging them in the conversation. So he asks a question. And he actually starts off this book with a question, and we'll get to that. Uh, but the whole concept of this chapter is that we are dead to sin. We're dead to sin. Sin has no power in our life if we're in Christ Jesus. And so we'll see that theme throughout. We are dead to sin. want to start and remembering what was in chapter 5, because remember in chapter 5, Jesus dealt with our sin. That's how we know that we're dead to sin. Jesus justified us. The, the word for Romans is what? Justifier. He's the justifier. He has dealt with our sin for us. And so then in chapter 6, he's in, Paul is imploring us to live as if we are dead to sin, as if sin has no power in our life. We're actually going to see three themes. Warren Wiersbe, our buddy back here, uh, he outlines three themes in this chapter that we'll loosely follow. The first one is that we, we know. We, we need to know what the content of this is. We need to know that we are dead to our sin. The second one, he uses the word reckon. I think of Wesley when I hear that word reckon. And if you want an interesting study, go out and just kind of look at the word reckon and some of the word history of it. But just understand, take into account what we just read. That's reckon. And the third one is yield. So I have all this information. Uh, I understand what it means and I've taken it into account in my life. Now I need to yield to what it is. And so we'll see those three themes. So we're going to start off. I want to do Romans chapter uh, 6 verse 11 because I think this is like the theme verse for the chapter. So Romans 6 verse 11 says this. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about being dead to sin and then alive to God. That's going to be a fun one to look into. So we're dead to sin and alive to one. So Romans chapter 6 verse 1 starts with this. It says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? So it says, what shall we say then? This is almost like the statement, therefore. And so what should we say then? What is he talking about? So we have to go back a couple of verses into chapter 5 because of course we're remembering that the chapters and verses were not there when the letter was written. So in Romans chapter 5 verse 20, it says this, it says, moreover the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that's why Paul starts off in verse 1 in chapter 6 and says, what shall we say then? And I think he's answering this question of verse 20 when it says, uh, if, if, if sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And so this is something he addresses. Are we to continue to sin so that grace may abound? So we're dead to sin. And if we look at this verse, it's a rhetorical question. Uh, and, and in fact, this verse is actually kind of a theological issue in the early church. And the concept was, 
well, if, we, if, if grace abounds when we sin, then if we sin more, we're going to get more grace. And why wouldn't we want more grace? Like you could, you could almost follow that logic, couldn't you? Uh, but then when you start to think about it, you're like, no, that's not true. But the thing is, is that God's grace is always enough. God's grace is always sufficient. To think that if we sin more, we're going to get more grace and that's something we desire, that would be like saying, well, I'm going to, I'm going to shovel my sidewalk so that it snows again. Or I'm going to rake my leaves so that more leaves fall out of my tree. That just doesn't, it doesn't compute. No, like that, that's, that, that's not true. God's grace is always sufficient. So no matter how much we sin, His grace is sufficient to cover that. We don't need an abundance of sin. No matter what, God's grace is sufficient. So in verse 2, here's our answer. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? So the point is, is that we're, we're, die, we're dying to sin so that we don't have to live in it. We, we not, we're not trying to uh, live in sin so that we can get more grace. Our whole point is to get rid of sin in our life. Our whole point is to die to sin so that it has no place where we are. So uh, we have died to sin. If you're a believer in Christ, you have died to sin. If you are a believer in Christ, you have died to sin. So how does that work? So if we go to verse 3. Paul addresses this. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So I want to pause here. There's, there's a phrase here that shows up a couple of times in Romans chapter 6. It says, do you not know? Do you not know? So the, the Greek word that that phrase is translated from really means not just like knowing. This means, do you understand? Do you understand or don't be ignorant? So it's like this kind of two different things here. Do you understand or don't be ignorant? This is not just like, do I know? Yes, I know. I I know I've been baptized in Christ Jesus. But like he's saying, do you understand? There are things in my life that, that I know here, but I ignore here in my heart. There are things in my life that I know, but I don't understand. Paul wants us to understand. That's the whole point of this. He wants us to understand He's saying, don't ignore this. Understand this. He's imploring us. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say, uh, I think that some of us, there are people out there who know the gospel, who know what Christ did for them, but either they don't understand it or they're ignoring it. There are people who know the gospel up here, but they don't understand it here or they choose to ignore it for whatever reason. And I'd be willing to bet that even somebody who's watching this or listening to this probably falls into that category. That you know the gospel, you know what Jesus did, but you either don't understand it and you're not living it out or you're choosing to ignore it. I'd be willing to bet that there's somebody listening. And I'll say, you're probably ignoring the fact that the sin in our lives leads to great separation from God's perfect glory. You know that, but you don't understand it. You ignore the fact that the very sin... That, that is in our life puts us on this expressway to eternal hell, this expressway to death, which is forever apart from God. That's in hell. You know that, but you're ignoring it or you don't understand it. It hasn't let it permeated into your life. You claim to know the gospel, but you don't understand how much God really loves you. You don't understand that he made this sacrifice, that he died on the cross, that he was the one who was the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate atonement for our sins, so that our sins have been taken care of. They've been justified. They've been dealt with forever. And that was a demonstration of his love, that he loves us so much that he would do that for us. And then I think that there are people who, 
who know, I think you know the gospel, but you don't fully understand the grace that God has for us. You don't understand that God's grace is enough to cover every single sin and transgression. You don't understand the fact that God's grace creates this space for us that we can by faith then believe in what he did and receive the free gift that he has for us. That grace creates that space for us, for you to be able to have faith in what he did on the cross, to have faith in his love. And the reality is, is that all you have to do to change that, to change your understanding, to change maybe this ignorance, is to say, Lord, I, I want to exit off this expressway to death and I want to merge onto the freeway of your life. I want to merge onto this love and I want to believe in the road that you have for me that will lead to eternal life in heaven with you and eternal life here on earth so that we're going to die to our sin and experience the life that he has for us. I believe that people know the gospel but don't understand it. And I think if that's you... I don't care if you're like watching this video online. I don't care if you're listening to it, audio on the radio. Pull your car over, pause the video. Make that right. Deal with that with the Lord. Tell the Lord, Lord, I finally recognize that this is where I'm at. I recognize that I've known this, but I've never understood it. Or I've known this, but I'm choosing to ignore it. You can deal with that right now. And I'll challenge you to go ahead and deal with that. And then push play and come back and hear the rest of the message. But that is probably the most important thing that you need to do is to deal with that right now. When I talk with people in the street, you really wonder if, if they realize that they can get free from the things that grip them. You really wonder if they, if they understand that they can be freed from uh, whatever addictions they might have or whatever sin is in their life. And so if we go to verse 4, it says, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, underline that in your Bible because we're going to talk about that, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And so we talk about we want to be dead to sin, but we want to experience the newness of life that he had. And so what does this mean by the glory of the Father? Uh, so check this out. It says, we too might walk in newness of life by the glory of the Father. A different, Two different translations to try to understand this. NASB says, we might walk in newness of life through the glory of the Father. Or the NLT version, uh, which sometimes puts it in a little bit more plain language, says, by the glorious power of the Father. It says, by the glorious power of the Father, we've been raised from the dead. But also, it says, we too might walk in newness of life. So this, the glory of the Father is what gives us the power to, to, to die to sin, but also to walk in the newness of life. Uh, the, the, the Greek word is doxa. Uh, and it happens to be the same word that is used uh, several times in the New Testament. But specifically, it's the same word that Jesus used when he's talking to Martha about seeing Lazarus raised from the dead. So, Kevin, we're going to talk about John 11, verse 40. And so this is the same verse, remember, that we're in Romans. We're talking about dying to our sin uh, by the glory of the Father and walking in newness life by the glory of the Father. It says in John eleven forty, this is the story. Jesus said to her, that's Martha, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? They're talking about raising Lazarus from the dead and he's saying, did I not tell you that you would see him by the glory of God? So like you see somebody raised from the dead or if, La or if you are Lazarus and you are raised from the dead, that, imagine the glory that's happening with that. Imagine if you saw somebody go from death to life, physically, in the natural realm. The glory of God that that would create. People would be jumping for joy. People would be celebrating. They'd be getting out their phones and taking pictures and telling stories. 
That's what would happen. That's this glory that we're talking about. But what if when we see people in the spiritual go from death to life? I would argue that that's at least an equal amount of glory. That's an equal amount of power on display, if not more. And so when we see somebody, if we are witnessing somebody going from death to life spiritually, we should be experiencing and demonstrating that same glory to God. You died to sin. You are new in life. And so when I'm talking about being dead to sin, the glory, the power that is in that for me being separated from my sin is warranted by or justified through that glory. And so we have to understand the amazing thing about being separated from our sin, dying to our sin. I just want that to sink in. I want you to understand, as Paul keeps saying, we want to understand these things. We want to understand the glory that happens when we die to our sin. In Romans uh, chapter 6, verse 5, it says this, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united to him in a resurrection like his. Now remember this illustration, we're walking with Jesus. If we're united with him in a death, we're united with him in life, in a resurrection as well. So the concept of being dead to sin, but we have to also place equal weight on newness of life, this resurrection. Jesus did had a sacrificial death. There was no more a day of atonement where the high priest would go in and, and first make a sacrifice for himself so that he could then make a sacrifice for everybody and take care of all of the, the unrepentant and un, uh, uh, unacknowledged sin. This is what happened one time, done and forever. So we are able to receive this. And so as we reason here, we're talking about like, yes, we're dead to sin. And, and that's a, a point that we want to hammer home. But we also want to hammer home this point of that we are new in life when we are partnered with Christ. Uh, John 10.10 10 is, is a verse we always quote. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came so that we may have life and have it abundantly. So we die to our sin, but we have this abundant life. And so are we walking out this abundant life. And I think that if we, if we try to rationalize, or if we try to think about, oh, how do I become dead to my sin? How do I die to my sin? I think one tactic, one strategy is to say, well, I'm going to run towards abundant life. Because if I'm running towards abundant life and I have my eyes focused on the things of God, it's a whole lot easier for me to avoid sin. It's a whole lot easier for me to die to my sin. In chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 6, it says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. There's that Greek word again. So remember, remember we talked about like understanding and, and, and having a, a lack of ignorance towards something. Uh, we know that ourselves, our old self, so do we understand this? That we are no longer slaves to sin. This is not knowledge. Yes, I know I'm no longer a slave to sin. But do you understand it? Don't ignore it. You are no longer a slave to sin. That, that addiction doesn't have any power over you. 
Those thoughts don't have any power over you. Those sinful actions, the words that you use, they don't have power over you. You have the ability to choose to say, I'm going to walk in the life that Christ gave me. If you go to Ephesians uh, chapter 4, Kevin, verses 20 through 24, this is an, another way of illustrating this. Again, it's Paul writing as well. So like we get a, a different way to look at it. it uh, she's, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20 says, But that is not the only way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. So pause there. So assuming that you have heard about him, okay, so like you, you heard about him, I, I know, and were taught in him. This, this emphasizes, I think, the importance of being in the word, being in a discipleship relationship so that you not only hear and like know, but you understand. You want somebody to walk with you so that you understand as truth is in Jesus. And then 422, to put off your old self, to, to die to the sin, which belongs to your former manner of life. Some versions say, which belongs to your former man and is corrupt through deceitful desires to be renewed in the spirit of your minds if if we were a slave we would be obedient to our master if we were a slave we'd be obedient to our master whatever the master says we're going to do if we are a slave to sin we are going to do whatever sin asks us to do whatever sin prompts us to do we're going to be obedient to that master of sin If we are a slave to the Lord, if we are a slave to the Spirit, we are going to be a master of the things of the Spirit. We are going to do what the Spirit asks us to do. And so again, we talk about dying to sin. You're going to leave the sin behind so that you can be the master of the Spirit of God so that you can walk in the fullness of life. We are not slaves to sin. There's that song I actually heard on the radio this morning. I was like, ah, oh, Lord, thank you, WayFM. You're, you're hearing what I'm going to be talking about today. When we walk with him, we get that help and the teaching of, of partnering with Jesus. Remember, we're united in Christ. And so we get to tap into that spirit because we're, re, we're united with him. It, it reminds me of, of a story. I have a friend uh, and I who uh, we worked together a, a long time ago, and he was uh, he was a, a former Marine. So he's got you know he's got the you know the chiseled jaw. He's kind of big, strong guy. He was a military police, so he was uh, you know trained to deal with other Marines basically. So uh, I'm trying to think of a word that won't make me sound like I'm a sinner. He was a he was a pretty rough guy. He was a he was a, he was tough. He was a tough guy. And so uh, he and I uh, had uh, some work to do down here in Texas. And we decided, not, neither of us had ever been to uh, Mexico. Uh, okay, so we're just being dorks here. We'd never been to Mexico, and we were near the border, and we're like, hey, let's just go to Mexico. And the city that we were in was, this is not a tourist destination. And so here, here we are, it's like April, we're in our shorts, pasty white, because we're from Minnesota, uh, our short sleeves, you know, nice polo shirts on, because we just came from work. And we decided to walk across the, the bridge, across the Rio Grande, over into Mexico, and at the time, there was not great things going on in Mexico. And so we walk across and we start walking to the right. And there are uh, law enforcement officers on the street wearing camo. They've got M16s on their back. Uh, there's like a chop shop over. It was not a safe place to be. But you know what? I knew that I was walking with my buddy who was an MP. I knew I was walking with a Marine. And I actually felt safe. And I'm like, well, let's go explore. I'm, I'm with a Marine. We can do anything. And and I think that's what it's like when we're walking with Jesus. You're like, man, I'm with Jesus. I can do anything. I can, I can die to my sin. I can live in this abundant life. I have that space of grace that allows me to live life abundantly. Now, here's the thing. If I would have walked off without my friend 
and, and the safety of the protection that I felt like he was providing, I would have been eaten alive. Somebody would have captured me, I'm sure, because I stuck out like a sore thumb. I was no longer safe because I was no longer walking next to the guy who I felt could provide security for me. If we are walking with the Lord, we need to be locked in step with the Lord so that we have the power, the safety, and the security to live life abundantly, to die to our sin. That's how we do it. We want the Lord to teach us. We want others to be training us in that. Let's go to chapter uh, 6, verse 7. Chapter 6, verse 7 says, For one who has died has been set free from sin. So if I have died to my sin, I have been set free from my sin. And, and we talked about this on the, on the Day of Atonement. The high priest, he went in into the holiest of holies. He cleansed himself first, and Jesus was perfect from sin. And then he, he sacrificed, he made atonement for all of the sins of the people. That's what Jesus did for us. We need to understand that, know this. Remember, we need to understand that Jesus actually did this so that we could be free from our sin. And we need to recognize that we have been set free from our sin so that we can walk in the freedom, that, in the abundant life that he has for us. Verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. And then in verse 9, it says, We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. So check this out in verse 9. So remember, we've been talking about, do you know? Do you know? This is a different Greek word. Uh, It's very similar, but it's a different Greek word. And this one is the one that we would think. It's just simply, do you know? Do you know this? And so do we know... We're not talking about understanding. It's just, do we know that being raised from the dead, we will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. I see Paul, I don't know if this is an intentional strategy or an intentional tactic, but this is what he's doing. He's speaking to our heart. He's trying to get us to understand earlier. And now he's speaking to our brain, our intellect. He's like, do you know this? You know that, right? Like, sometimes that's just enough to say, you know that, right? And so in verse 10, uh, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But for life he lives, he lives to God. That's this first section, just knowing. We want to know what he did for for us. We want to know that we're dead to sin. We want to know that we can have abundant, eternal life with him. We are united with him. We can walk with him. He's going to guide us. He's going to be our MP on our arm uh, to walk through all that stuff. Gives us the power to die to sin. The second section, the second theme, it's just one verse. It's verse, uh, verse 11, and it's reckoning. So we know all this stuff. Now let's take it into account. Okay, so you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is what's interesting. He's like, do you understand it? Now he's saying, you have to consider that. Reckon, you are actually this way. And so then the third theme is yield. So I know it. I understand it. I'm not ignoring it. I've taken it into account. I've absorbed it. I'm considering it. And now I have an action plan here. I need to yield to all of this. And so verse 12, we're going to do 12 and 13, Kevin. So let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to a sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So now if I'm yield to the Lord, God's asking me, put yourself to work for me. Enter yourself into doing the things that I would have you do instead of the things that sin would have you do. 
And so we talk about the members of the body, and there's always this illustration. And so like in Ephesians, there's the members of the body, the head, the toe, the foot. Uh, but this, I believe, like we're talking about the, the members of our body, our bodies. And so think about like your minds, like present yourselves to God and use your members as instruments. So our minds, if I'm, if I'm distracted with something in my mind, am I using my mind for the Lord? And so like if I'm worried about my stocks or my brackets or something, if I'm, if I'm distracted in my mind, I've taken the capacity and the ability to weigh of my mind to be put to the work for the Lord. Or my eyes. What am I taking in? What am I doing with my eyes? Am I, am I using my eyes uh, to, to eye up somebody who's walking down the street? Or, or am I checking, checking uh, stuff out on Instagram or Pinterest or Facebook? Am I using my eyes to take in stuff? I'm not talking about bad stuff necessarily. I'm just talking about... Are my eyes distracted with things of the world? Or do I have my eyes open and my heads up so I can see what's going on around me? God, who are you putting in front of me? Who do you want me to talk to? Who are you highlighting to me? I have a choice to be either distracted with my eyes or being aware of what God has for me to do for him in the sense of abundant life. Or my hands. What am I doing with my hands? Am I holding a cigarette or a drink or or, or whatever? Or am I helping somebody pick up some groceries or repair their house or do something on their car? What am I doing with my hands? What are we doing with the members of our body that are righteous to use as instruments for righteousness for God? How am I yielding to the abundant life that God has for me? And so in verse 14, kind of land this thing, for sin has no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? This is a, by no means. This is a reference back to, remember, verses 1 and 2. Hey, if I sin more, I'm going to get more grace. I want more grace. I'm going to sin more. No. Okay, so we've talked about all this stuff. We understand it. So what, what are we going to do? Are we going to sin because we're not under law but under grace? No, by no means. Verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. Who are you going to obey? Are you going to obey sin and, and get yourself on that expressway to death, or are you going to obey and pursue righteousness? And let's just blow through these verses, Kevin. Uh, so, but thanks be to God, but thanks be to God that you were once slaves to sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. From the heart. Do you understand? Remember that. And having been set free from sin, you're dead to sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm using my members to go from here to here. Verse 19, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. God has something for us. He wants us to be sanctified. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. If I'm a slave to sin, I'm free from righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things for which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is dead. Is there fruit in doing things that the Lord does not have for us? I don't think so. Verse 22, But now that you have been set free from sin and to become slaves to God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. And then here we go. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So here's the verse that we always talk about. We use it in the Bible. We, this is part of the gospel. But it's saying that sin leads to death. You can, it's, it's, this is almost another rebuttal to the first couple of verses. You cannot sin more to get eternal life. It says sin leads to what? Death. But 
His free gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Remember, we're united in Christ Jesus. That's his free gift to us. So we know intellectually, in our minds, we know that we are dead to sin. But Paul asks us to understand that from the inside out, to not ignore it. That's knowing that we're dead to sin. And then once we understand that we're dead to sin, how are we taking this into account? What are we going to do with it? Consider this. And then finally, this, this chapter asks us to yield to Christ. What are we doing with our lives that are yielding to Christ? How are we pursuing Christ as our master so that we are yielding to the eternal life and the abundant life that he has for us so that we can pursue righteousness and sanctification and ultimately, I believe, affect the world around us. Romans chapter 6 is a rich chapter. There's a lot to understand in it. Study it. Meditate on it. It's a great thing. We're going to come back with chapter 7 tomorrow. I hope that you have fun. Have a good day. We'll see you tomorrow.